The Prime Minister says Australian businesses and governments are being targeted in a state-sponsored cyber attack. The Prime Minister has revealed every level of government, major industries and essential services are victims of a mass cyber attack from a foreign power. Scott Morrison would not name the country, but it's widely believed to be China. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Passion Agenda. My name is Anthony Caruana. And on today's episode, I sat down with Daniel Loriola. Daniel, a Masters of Cybersecurity student at La Trobe University here in Melbourne, Victoria, was kind enough to join me on the podcast. Now, talk about coincidences, but uh, Daniel and I had arranged to discuss all things cybersecurity uh, in the world we live in today, uh, and you know, after that confirmation, days uh, later, Scott Morrison announced that uh, Australia was uh, currently under attack uh, in in the in the cyberspace um, from a state-based actor. So, I promise you, this was not planned in in any way, shape, or form to match up with those events. I had no in- idea that those events would be rolling out when they did. I promise you that. But nonetheless, it was great to sit down with Daniel and have a chat. It was an interesting conversation. And as always, I know this is one that you will enjoy. I mean, like, especially with this this kind of format and um, I guess instrument, even Christian was telling me how, like, when I posted this on LinkedIn and tagged his name in it, the amount of hits he had on like, his profile, yeah. like, he was just like, it's crazy. And for me, I know, like, like content is king. Content is king. We live in a time where content is, yeah. <laughs> I guess the if your name is out there, you're yeah. gonna be doing well. Yeah. You just want to get stuff out there. You gotta be, you gotta be doing, but you gotta be doing something. Yeah. You can't just be a watcher. You can't be a fly on the wall. No. If you're doing stuff, I, I really commend that. Yeah. Um, with with everybody, you don't want to stagnate. Um, it's made that really difficult when you're a student. Yeah. But if you can just chip away at some stuff, it makes it. And if you just post regularly, and you're you're you, even if you comment on people on, yeah. on LinkedIn, just just not to start arguments, but if you can challenge ideas and give a really educational approach on it, that people see that. that. Exactly. Um, yeah. Like an example was I don't know how much of this I should have waited for the podcast. I don't know if yeah. this is killing you or something, but no, I should no, have no. had it later. That's right. But, it's all right. Well, I'll, I'll let you know. I've just chucked it on. Oh, nice. We're okay, on. Cool. So it's kind of like flow, it flows into the conversation. Yeah, no, I don't really want nice. it to be any abrupt. Yeah. Um, so, for example, on LinkedIn a little while ago, I'm not sure if you saw in the news there was reports that um, Latrobe, their financial situation was was quite quite cool. severe. Yeah. It was really bad. The quote that came out was there was there was no coin down down the back of the couch. Yeah. And this was obviously because of the hit with they relied so heavily on um, international students. Because obviously international students have to pay up front. There's no, there's no um, hex system. There's just up front. And Latrobe relied really heavily on that. So those reports came out. But then Latrobe were quick to, to really defend it and say, look, this, this, might, this isn't as accurate as it's come, come. They started Latrobe's page on LinkedIn, started commenting on people that were actually speculating this. Oh, wow. Um, and I don't know. I just thought it was, all right, from the a, from a perspective of a student, if you're reading this stuff, it's really bad confidence and you might start to stress it's like well i've got one semester left here i've got a job on the line if i don't finish this this really impacts me unfortunately it's a selfish thing to think mm. but 
at times you're going to have to be selfish. I'm really firm on thinking, do the best thing for yourself if, you, if it doesn't have to impact other people directly. Um, so this guy just started commenting and saying, what did they do to deserve it? Did they deserve it? Um, started saying some other stuff that I didn't really agree with. I said, like, where did you get this information from? What did you think about it? And immediately started saying, he, re- he responded with, I don't, I don't know who you are. Just go read the age. You know, you, you, it says you're a student. Yeah. And I came back a little bit later and the, and the post was gone. So I was like, oh, okay, I don't know what, what negative traction this got. Um, but it would be nice if people could have argumentative debates and intellectual debates without needing to be, think it's like a personal attack on them. And you got to do it in a really careful way because some people, like we said earlier, when we were talking about, they just can't handle criticism or, or, or constructive feedback or or anything that challenges their mindset. And um, yeah, I don't know. There's You've got to be really particular in who you have those conversations with because if they don't handle it well, it's it can be really damaging to the relationship because you, it's almost like an ego thing. It's like, if you're challenging me and I don't present myself well here, am I going to look inferior to you? And I don't want that. Am I going to have to then challenge you again? Is my way to then get on top of you to insult you um, or, or, or just lay an attack? So I don't know. I've, I agree with you. Uh, I just took over the weekend, um, started my, my course, my yep. grad, and took a leadership intensive. Nice. Um, and in that, they were teaching us how to deal with, you know, providing feedback to people. And uh, we're doing like role plays and that kind of thing. Uh, and there was a case study where this uh, this worker was being really aggressive and calling out people for their poor work and like in a public arena. And it was just really, really bad. And then, so the situation was that, and then you had to be the leader that was, you know, having that one-on-one with him. Mm. Um, and the techniques that they advised us to use were things such as uh, mir- mirroring. So it's just pretty much what it sounds like in the sense that you reiterate you, or you reflect back to that person what they are saying mm. or thinking. And quite often that on its own is, is, enough. is enough to say, yeah, it's embarrassing. And like... To your to your point, where you know, if somebody is uh, trying to attack you, or like say, for instance, Latrobe University, and they've got an argument put forward, if you attack their argument with your view, then they'll have to defend their argument till yeah. kingdom come. But if you mirror their argument to themselves, how can they attack you? Like it's just you, you pretty much just saying. So what you're telling me is you're thinking X, Y, and Z, and then they'll think to themselves. All right, this is an opportunity for me to pull out before I look like a complete fool. Which you would hope most people would do. Unfortunately, yeah. some don't. They choose to go down the rabbit hole, and I don't know. It's all. It's all. That's a whole. This is a whole other area where it's like social behavior and stuff. And I'm. I don't really have too much experience there, but it's just the way some people can behave, regardless of their their credits. Yeah. You'd think they would know better. Yeah. Um. Some people just don't. And we live in a world, I guess, where free speech, well, it's a good thing in theory, but social media has just allowed us to speak at on a more frequent basis and, and la- at large scales. So maybe there's a piece there around regulating what's been said. We actually did a, this was really similar to literally a subject we did last semester um, and we had to go quite deep into it. It was with how big... The internet is yeah. and how much social media influences us um is is free speech good should you regulate it um and with how big the internet is is it possible to, to regulate and what, what what should the methods be um and i think my approach was simply that 
it was meant to be a yes or no. And I simply went with, well, I just, I don't know how it can be done because the internet in itself is, is massive. It crosses hundreds of different jurisdictional systems. Each country wants their own sovereignty. They want to have their own level of leadership, their own level of laws. What happens in one place will be very different to another. So what's going to happen is what might be acceptable to say in one country is going to be really unacceptable to say in another. The good example is China. They, it's on the internet, it's called the Great Firewall of China, where a lot of people probably already know that there's some, the Chinese government will not let particular media fly out of their country so it cannot be spread on across the world. They censor a, a massive amount of, of stuff so no one else can see it. If it's detected, it's flagged, it's dumped, and it's just completely censoring free speech. On the other hand, we're, say, here in Australia or the States, I think we're at a point where we're unable to differentiate between free speech and hate speech and that hate speech should be included in free speech, which is not. It's If, if you're doing the wrong and it's criminal behaviour, because essentially the internet is essentially just this criminogenic breeding ground, it's so easy to think, say, with Facebook to make an account. As long as I've got an active email address, to make that email address, I'm just going to make sure no one else has used it. I can put in a name, an email address. It doesn't have to match to me at all. But as long as this is an active email address, I can make an account. That account name can be at whatever name possible. It's very easy to me, uh, for anyone, sorry, where if you have a mask on and you're anonymous on the the internet, free speech is going to go through the roof, but it's also going to encourage you to do things you wouldn't normally do if people knew who you were. Correct. So under my current Facebook name, there's no way, or under any circumstances, sorry, I should reiterate, there's no way as a person we would ever publish something that we thought was quite uh, wrong. Or, or, yeah, along those if lines. If my face, if my face is exactly. associated with it, if, if you, but then under a fake account, you're going to be completely different because oh, yeah. just because you can get away with it, and that's what a lot of people do, and uh, it's yeah, it's really scary. And simply, like I said, because of, how can you monitor and scale the internet and stop criminal behaviour? You you really just can't. Mm. Um, and like I said, you you perform something or you do something wrong here, but. If, if what you did here, because of the nature of the internet, if what you did traveled um, across certain barriers and the impact of your criminal behavior was in another country, you don't know what the difference in laws are. You don't know what the jurisdictions are. It could be completely fine what you did. It mm-hmm. might not. But how if you if you haven't been able to be caught, mm-hmm. which we'll go into towards later towards the show with obviously the, the cyber attack in Australia, mm-hmm. even if they've got ideas where it came from, how are you going to properly monitor, how are you going to hold anyone to account? Mm-hmm. Is it okay from their, like, if they did it in their country, is it okay? And mm. it's a mess. Honestly, I think it's a mess. I'm thinking of, like, a, and it's probably already spoken about, maybe, or maybe there's, there's there's reasons why it can't happen, but, like, a digital ID. Yeah, and I've, I've honestly I've flagged yeah. that idea before. It's, yeah. all right, there's got to be a way where we can identify how we are, like, yeah. us as a person, to this account we're making. Now, this account should need information off us. Like a social security Correct. In, in That's America. exactly what I thought. Yeah. Now, a lot of people do have issues with that because it's like, oh, well, now this, we got to hold this organization with personal information. Do yeah. I really want then, say, Facebook to say, like I said, a social security number or say a passport number? Do I really want them holding onto my passport number just to, so I can post happy birthday on someone's wall? Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 and there'll be big companies such as like your Facebooks, Instagrams and all of these kind of, uh, businesses that will be lobbying against that, yeah, exactly, because they know yeah. that it creates friction for the customer. Creates friction, and it's just more things that if they don't handle it correctly, yeah, 
they're in some trouble. Yeah. Um, so it's one of the things I hope is is kind of sorted out down the track, and I don't, I just don't know how it can happen. Yeah. But at, with with how social media is at the moment, it's just too easy. One of my other ideas was, um, is it at the point where you you no longer have free Facebook and free social media? If you put a, a paywall behind these things, you're going to have a massive drop off on the amount of people that use them. Yeah. But I just I just can't see that happening. Nah. You know, the, the the revenue model is probably already so successful successful why change it? Yeah. Um but yeah. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one. It's food for thought, that's for sure. Absolutely. I mean yeah, I th- I think something has to be done about it. Whether or not it's done in the next five years, ten years, who knows? Mm. But it's uh it's interesting to think where we'll be in ten years with everything tech related. Well that's what I mean, you don't even know if the apps we're using now are gonna be relevant in ten years when they were only kind of they, if I think about when I, ma- I made my first Facebook account, it was probably 2010, 2009. Yeah, mine was 09. Yeah. yeah. So, and back then, like the big thing was was MySpace and, and yep. MSN and they were, no one thought they would go away and they were massively popular. Yeah, and outdated now. Exactly. So It's amazing. And that's what, 11 years. Yeah. So Jeez. there's no idea what can be next and yeah. you just hope that whatever does come next, there's ways that... Um, that people that that preach for for free speech, which are getting it confused with hate speech, can somehow be monitored or tracked. Yeah. And if you're going to go down the hate speech path, make sure that these people are able to be held accountable yeah. or that they're tracked. But again, the, the nature of the internet is just and online communication is just really difficult. It's interesting. Yeah. So you have these thoughts and obviously you sounds like you're really read on the topic. So I know that you currently studying a master's yep. in cybersecurity. So... So what is cybersecurity? It gets floated floated around a lot. Uh, obviously, yeah. you spoke about this uh, this attack, and we'll speak about mm. it later. Uh, that happens. That's happening in mm. Australia at the moment. So, so what is what is cybersecurity? Um, to try and get some good context, I wanted to. I asked a friend, knowing this question would come, and yeah. I wanted to. I wanted to kind of make him an example of what I thought a lot of people thought it was, and yeah. I was expecting his response to be just uh, your hackster. Yes. And which is really just not the case. There's so many things that are involved, but essentially in a nutshell, it's you're protecting, it's the protection of whether it's systems, software, data, even to people. It's a protect, yeah. protection of assets or, or individuals, critical infrastructure as well um, from any threats or harm. And that and those harm, that threat, those threats and those harms can come from either say data manipulation, data theft, fraud, disruption, um, leaks, bullying, fraud, harassment, um, even child pornography. Um, it's something that I think the last figures that I saw were from the Morrison government last year. I don't know. I think this was the last one. I think it was $29 billion it costs annually. And I have no doubt now with... This was before coronavirus had such a big impact. And yeah. I have no doubt that's going to be much bigger this year. Um, and each incident is costing on average $270,000. Now... Globally, the last figures I could find were from 2017, and that was from the most reputable source I could find, which was which was McAfee. Cybercrime is costing 600 billion, um, and that is only just going to keep going up. Mm. So, you think how how everything is just so digital now? Mm. It's not going to change. Um, you're going to have AI and machine learning coming through. People are getting more sophisticated. Attacks are becoming smarter. They're also becoming a lot easier to to implement. Um, with how easy it is to do, how easy it is to maybe hire someone to do, or how easy it is to now learn how to do these things, these figures are just going to go go really high. Um, 
the one that I, I mentioned before was was obviously like one of the threats which when cybersecurity people normally think oh like they've stolen something there's been a leak there's been oh maybe a denial of service attack there's disruption things are going to shut down but in the in the summer last year um, on the off on the off break I, had, I did some work with the department at uni they're working on some research on making um, this AI software that kind of scoured uh, uh, I think it was Twitter for use of, of child pornography yeah um and essentially my role is to help them out understand the language being used the users that were kind of there what what they were meaning what they were what they were kind of trying to say and essentially that just led down this rabbit hole of finding you know other communities other forums and it's it's terrifying stuff because it was scary because not only like twitter's not censoring this stuff which i, I won't go into but i can't exaggerate how toxic I find Twitter. Mm, um, but mm. these guys came from another platform. I can't remember what it was. I believe it, I want to say it was maybe Pinterest or Tumblr, mm-hmm. but on whatever, wherever they've come from, they were, they were booted off. It was, there was a way that they were able to be detected. And the way they detected is the people that, the large communities that are online doing this stuff, they go off um, two acronyms. They go off something they call themselves maps and no maps. Now a map is stands for a minor attracted person, and a no map is a non-offending minor attracted person. Mm-hmm. And what these people are doing are uh, categorizing themselves as part of the um, LGBTQ team movement, mm. and they're now victimizing themselves. So anyone that comes against them and calls them out publicly and online, um, they're victimizing themselves, saying how disgusting it is to to judge them that it should be okay. They've made maps for themselves, so you know when you say identify. With the LGBTQT community, there's like it's the, the colors of yeah. the flag. They've made their own. Um, <laughs> it's it's really quite sick. And there's oh there's these communities God. and threads where you see what they're saying. Yeah. And it was it was really it was really messed up. And I had I had no choice, but I think it was like three thousand six hundred rows of data just to go through and find. And a lot of it was just threads of the same conversation. A lot of it was different. And you end up clicking on a username, and you see what they're writing, and then you see that the, the different chats they're saying with their friends and the screenshots and. Man, it's a, it is, it's a it's, and it's, not only is it scary, it's people think that stuff is maybe just found on, on the dark web, as yeah, they say. Yeah. It is, it's like right there. You just, if you know what you're looking for, I didn't beforehand. Grenade. It was as simple as finding a hashtag or an acronym. And these people are out there, they're happily doing it. What they, what they like doing, they're, they're the days I like to plan, preferences in age, uh, body preferences. My God. It's obviously quite sensitive to say, but yeah, it's, uh, it's really, it's really a mess. And, um, so yeah, it's good to know that a lot of the department at uni are, do, are doing good work. Mm-hmm. Um, that's obviously a really important topic. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as the rest of it goes and a lot of the others, um, anyone that's probably listening that knows security in general in IT, it's, it might be some, too basic for them, but just for anyone that's, that doesn't understand, mm-hmm. you typically model security off, off this CIA approach. Mm-hmm. And CIA stands for confidentiality, integrity, and availability, mm-hmm. meaning any information, um, confidentiality is any information um, that is for a particular person should only be accessed by that person if not stated otherwise. Integrity stands for making sure that data is not manipulated. Mm-hmm. So that data, as it's sent, say, from me to you, nothing's being changed. It mm-hmm. is as it is. No one's interfered with it um, in transit or in rest and you get access to it later. It's been manipulated. And the availability of information commonly disrupted with, say, denial of service attacks. Mm-hmm. It means if I'm authorized to access that information, I should have access to it um, whenever the means are necessary or when stated. Mm-hmm. So that should never not be of access to me. Mm-hmm. Um, now that's like just um, in a nutshell, essentially. And the way you can kind of assess, um, make a framework, I guess, around this is through um, you monitor authentication, you monitor authorization, 
and you're always monitoring or making sure there's accountability for when something does go wrong or someone's doing the wrong thing, mm-hmm. they can be caught out. Mm-hmm. The problem with, or not the problem, I think it is getting better, but the problem was that cybersecurity or IT security in general is typically considered as an afterthought. Um, a lot of companies or say small, medium businesses in particular, just because of funding or, or whatever or, or infrastructure, it's people react to cybersecurity and make it, um, it's a reactive approach and not a proactive approach. Correct. And there's there's many different reasons for that. And like I said, it's probably mainly to do with funding and people don't want to, spe- they, especially if you're a large business, maybe board of directors, it's, they just speak in dollar signs. And if you're asking for more money to apply elsewhere that they don't think is going to make them more money, mm-hmm. um, it could easily be shut down. Correct. Now, the problem with that is it is a hell of a lot cheaper mm-hmm. And you're going to save a lot more face if you implement these controls first. in the first place yeah. because the financial damages and the reputational damages and the, the social narrative that comes after you've been attacked is a lot more damaging. And then you're going to have to implement these controls anyway. Yeah. And it's the, you know, it's the common saying where it takes you know, 20, 20 years to build up a reputation and then five minutes to take it exactly. down. So I can definitely understand why cybersecurity should be a proactive yeah. approach. And I th- it... it I think it is getting better and a lot of large businesses are definitely getting better. There's going to be differences in in protocols used and policies used and the amount of training that all staff get yep. um, get put through. Um, but particularly with, with how much is just digital these days, Correct. you would think there would be, there would start, it'd start to be a, a, a thought where you will take the, the way we treat our physical safety Needs to, you need to have the same awareness now with with what you're doing online and, and your digital assets and because it's it's just so easy now to to be left um, in ruins. I totally agree with that. And I think as we progress and as civil, civilization progresses as well, obviously we've got computers, we've got phones, um, we've got like Apple watches, but you know, even now the homes are getting connected through, you know, the lights and um, Which is the most dangerous part. Yeah. I'll give you a funny story. There was one that we learned pretty early on last year where um, so like you said, with appliances yeah. in particular, they're, they're becoming internet connected, yes. which is one of the most dangerous things that people are, uh, that most reports are looking into how dangerous we call them IOT devices, yep. um, internet connected things. Yeah. Um, everything has got now an internet connection and because these things are so small in nature and they're, they have like these, they're like a small accessory or an afterthought security is definitely placed not at the forefront because it's going to be a lot more expensive to implement. These products are a lot cheaper to make if you can just give a quick build. Um, and anyway, there was a story where there was a there was a casino, I, I want to say in Atlanta, mm-hmm. um, and they were breached through the thermometer in their fish tank, which was connected oh, to the my network, God. and that was able to lead the attackers to traverse through their network and breach the casino. I don't know what the ramifications were and what the attackers were able to achieve, yeah, but yeah. the the the, the, the entrance point was a fish tank thermometer, which was used to automatically adjust um, temperature in a fish tank. Yeah. That's just the situation we're at. Yeah. Um, you got to be really careful with, say, um, a lot of people have doorbells, yeah. for example, that connect to your phone. So say someone rocks up, you can see it through your phone who's at the front of your house. you got to really make sure the security on these devices is okay because it doesn't take anything to, to gain access to that, yeah. gain remote control. One of the suggestions that we often spoke about last year with me and a group of friends was you say, you look at, say, a food item on a shelf and it's got like a star. Mm. How, how healthy is it? Mm. It might have a certain amount of stars. 
because if you write in small writing the security features a, a generalist isn't going to care they just want oh this is going to be really cool for my home they need something that's quite easy to look at easy to interpretate to see right uh am i going to be at more risk by buying this item i might do i really need this internet connected kettle mm, mm, can mm. can i just walk over the kettle and turn it on normally the benefits will outweigh the negatives yeah. so yeah. These these devices are just they're going to be a massive threat alongside automation, AI, machine learning. Oh, we'll get into that. The power of computers and it's that that's it's already happening. And but I think I think IoT devices are going to be the most dangerous thing to come. Well, you just have to think about it. Like, like obviously you're saying now we haven't overcome the threat that um, you know hackers pose. We we haven't overcome it, and I don't think we ever will. But we we have to be there to mitigate that process and. And, and be there to overcome it um, when need be. But right now you're talking about appliances and this kind of thing and uh, it's, it's risky in itself. But imagine when, it's probably already happening, little do I know, but imagine when front doors have access via the internet of things as well. Yeah, correct. Well, I'm pretty sure there's already devices where you can change, you can swap over your locks on a door to an electronic lock oh system. Oh my God. And... There's just so many alarm bells here. Yeah, so you can just yeah, you just as soon as you hear that, you, you yeah, just go up. It's, it's, yeah, if they're not built correctly, yeah, it's really dangerous. Yeah. Um, another story was this happened really early in the 2010s. I want to say it was 2011, 2012. Yeah, there was a guy at. There's obviously these big conferences that happen, and they have industry professionals. They do demonstrations. They show what are the current problems. I was actually telling this to a friend the other day, and he was a diabetic. Yep. Um, and he was saying how even health items are now becoming um, dependent where you can have like remote access control. And he had he was doing a demonstration where he showed that he needed this he needed this insulin device that could automatically that was in, uh, implanted inside him, and it would automatically um, secrete insulin. At, yep. um, and it was at, at control of this Bluetooth connected device. Yeah. And what he showed was it was unbelievably easy for someone to interfere with the, the communications between that device and the machine the device in his arm and manipulate gain remote control of the of what controlled the insulin yeah and at the press of a button there's now someone else that's completely in control of this guy's life jesus so at at any chance at any time sorry someone could stop allowing that device to to give him insulin or put too much or, or put too much yeah so yeah it opens up a can of can of worms and mm. I think as we progress and become more reliant on technology, not just to make us more productive, but to aid us in living, mm-hmm. the complications from that are only going to arise, and the reliance on cybersecurity is only going to get yeah. you know even even greater. So, because a lot of the mindset is convenience over security, unfortunately, whatever makes things easier. But that's why, and, and, and that's how, and that's how you know that we will be reliant on this technology for the rest of our mm-hmm. lives and in in greater you know lengths because. We will always go for the easier option Correct. that makes us makes life easier for yep. us, right? Absolutely agree. So, have you um have you listened to much of Elon Musk? Yeah. I've actually got his book sitting on my side table at the yeah. moment. His biography. Yeah. Um, I've heard good things about that. I haven't read the book, but I've heard yeah. very good things about the biography. I've I got to go over it because I remember reading it. I was able to finish it before uh, early this semester. Yeah, but it. Nothing retained because I yeah. was so busy with with everything I was doing. So I need to give it another proper read. Um, everything he's doing is is insane. Did you have you heard of Neuralink? No, I haven't actually. You haven't? No, I haven't. So it's, it's so essentially in a nutshell, it is a 
thread that go that gets implanted into the brain and it's probably the thickness of a hair strand. And essentially what it does is give us the ability to connect with the internet of things. <laughs> well, how crazy is that? I so, mean- so his premise, his business case is is purely the fact that technology, robotics is going to overtake humans. Um, it's they're going to get smarter than us, and in order to keep up, we need to have a symbiotic relationship with with it. Wow. So yeah, it's it's kind of it's getting it on that on that field. So like once again, the cybersecurity for that. So imagine if you. Yeah invested all the money in getting this Neuralink, right? And I don't expect it to be cheap. So you invested that money, you'd be equal you'd be paying equally, or you should be paying equally the cybersecurity that goes with it. You would think so. And yeah. it's just the the amount of things that are going to be involved in making those things work. Yeah. It's going to be a very specific thread of, of cyber and you're going to have to hope that with the advancements of that tech is the people that are advancing themselves in learning how to either manipulate it or well, safely manipulate it and understand it. And just because it works doesn't mean it should work. And if it's going to work, make sure it's done in a way that's that's right. Yeah. You gotta have safety at the forefront. That's essentially what we're doing here in, in security. You gotta make sure things are being done right ethically. And yeah, so AI and, and robotics and you just got to hope we have the personnel that keep going into these fields that learn these tasks. Um, Do you think there's a gap in terms of knowledge? Do you think there's uh, enough people going into it or is it's okay now? Like, what's your thoughts on it? As far as AI, robotics and machine learning goes, I don't know. I know there's definitely, say Latrobe, for example, you can absolutely take up subjects that, that focus in that field. I'm not sure if there's degrees particularly at Trobe that focus in that field. I, I have no doubt there is. I haven't seen any though. Mm. Um, as far as cybersecurity goes, I don't think, you, you often hear how there's this this massive demand and that the jobs are, are lush and mm. there's so much available. Mm. But at the same time, there's reports that there's a massive gap in knowledge. So it's this unfortunate relationship that exists where the jobs are there and people might be undertaking, but whether they're equipped to do the job is a whole different story. Um, I would hope more people start um, looking into it because... I'm not sure if you heard recently, I think it was last week, there was slashes to the the government set called them job relevant. Degrees. Um, was, job relevant was, degrees. Was cybersecurity, well, so was it was IT, IT science um, were all included. In, I believe it was- In the, in the cuts? Or in the, the cuts, so oh, it was 20%. Right. Yeah. The increase was, it was a complete stab at people that do humanities degrees and arts degrees. Yeah, So that. it was now people undertaking these humanities degrees, so example, Bachelor of Arts, is going to be the same cost as doing a law degree. Wow. And that's because they're, the words, like not the words, but it's it's dangling a carrot on the end of a stick. They're gonna make they want people to be enrolling in things that are important. Yeah. Well, sorry, quotation marks. Yeah. Um, qu- yeah. important, um, job relevant. So Correct. maths uh, degrees had a sixty percent decrease. Yeah. Science and IT had a twenty percent, and then it was a hundred and thirteen percent increase for for humanities. I think uh, medical science stayed the same. Yeah. And law stayed the same. Now, whether I agree on that or not is is up for debate. I don't know what my opinion is. I'm kind of, I kind of understand it. Yeah. I kind of agree with it. Yeah. Um, if people want to do a Bachelor of Arts, by all means, they should be allowed to and not feel punished to do so. To do so, yeah. But I think just because of the circumstances at the moment, maybe it is a good idea. And also because 
they've noticed there's such a massive surge in domestic enrollments for next year because there's no now international travel. The gap, the gap years. The gap years are gone and people yeah. are now being like, well, better go to uni. Mm, mm. Um, so, and, yeah. and, and it can also be an element that, you know, they don't necessarily know how things are going to play out That's with cool. neighboring countries. Yeah, exactly. Um, and you kind of want to make sure that your internal you know your your house is is safe and yeah. we have the skills necessary because we don't want to be relying on other countries to to do things and and, and getting them in to 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 support Australia and that's almost where that this problematic relationship is between the the job demand and the skill gap is because well if we can't do it and there's no one here to do it we need some, like we're we trouble. need someone to do it yeah. and if that means we're going to have to sponsor international students then by all means that's the way to do it and some of my closest friends are now international students from the from these series and they're unbelievably qualified to do it. Yeah. It's just unfortunate that they're gonna be they're gonna be able to unable to undertake in, in some of these jobs that are available because of um international demand. Uh, yeah. international student um you can't do it. Yeah. Um restrictions. That might but change. As, but as well the problem is again, like if what if there, if there's a gap in knowledge, yeah, the job's gotta get done. Yeah, so they make adjustments adjustments for that, yeah. and I think you see it everywhere. Like, uh, you know, I mean, I work a bit in the construction industry, and you see that there's, you know, there's good operators that are older, mm-hmm. but uh, as time progresses, and obviously as we experience as an as as an as a world, the generational change, and and obviously those baby boomers getting moving on into retirement, we are going to have a gap in yeah, knowledge, absolutely. and you know, they say that I don't I don't believe this this statement, but they say that you know. If people after the baby boomers aren't as hard working as baby boomers, I don't, I don't yeah. agree to that. But you'll figure out soon enough whether that's the truth. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but we need, we we have gaps, and if we, you know, they they're saying that globalization has reached its peak. Whether that's a true statement or not, I'm not sure. But yeah, you want to make sure you have you're mitigating that just in case. Uh, and I think, you know, mm. siloing students and dangling the carrot as you said to ta- uh, roles and skills that we need here in australia is is a, is a, is a way to do it absolutely yeah. absolutely agree um you you would have liked to have think that or thought sorry that um these law and medical degrees maybe had a reduction in price well if they're going on about job relevant um but i guess sometimes i guess sometimes you can't and you can't be necessarily advertising a, a, a Ten thousand dollar medical degree and getting every man and his dog into these things. Yeah, and some you, things you, got, you want to keep. You got to keep at some, a premium. Yeah, correct. Yeah, so, so you're limiting. Yeah, but yeah, really different times. Yeah. And what's your take? I guess just on on the times, like in terms of AI, in terms of robotics, and and that evolution. How do you feel about it, and where do you see it going? I think it's inevitable. Yeah. I have a conversation with with some friends about this every now and then, where some of them. Are really unfortunately naive on how far away they think it is yeah and um others are, are kind of on the on the same camp as me in the same camp as me sorry where they they realize like this this stuff's coming i'm pretty sure a lot of it's here um if you want to watch any of the cool stuff that's going on at mit they're always posting videos in their robotics department and the the main thing that we need is 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 pioneers in those fields though to make sure that it's being done right you'd hope that when the Bill Gates are gone, there's going to be the next Bill Gates because we need people like that. That's just an example. People in that caliber where it's like the, the guy or the girl that know this this thing to be able to be a figure 
and just have the brains to lead this stuff. Um, but yeah, I think it's inevitable. Computers and technology is getting really powerful. Um, I don't know how far away quantum computing is. My whole knowledge in that field is is really poor, so please don't ask any follow-ups no, on that. <laughs> but I know it's. I don't think it's too far. And and, super, and these supercomputers, um, I believe. I didn't look into this too much, but I think Google announced it might have had one. Yep. Um, but but yeah, power is. So what is a supercomputer? Just the the power behind these things is yeah. compared to the machines we may have now here yeah. on, our, on on our desk. Um, precedes anything you, you can even imagine and just the amount of operations that can be done by these things per second is just astronomical anything beyond anything that could ever be on the market it's specifically for these these really large entities yeah and they're not cheap and then yeah. they should never ever be publicly available yeah but these things um would be capable of destroying a lot of the the protective mechanisms we use say for, for generalists and people in the public that say protect our data or our communication yeah um, and it could destroy it in seconds just because of the power and how quick it can perform some operations. Um, but yeah, I think I think is it um, intuitive as well? Is it is it like that got that robotic element to it yet or not? Uh, I, uh, I'm not sure. I'm not yeah. going to comment on that. I'm not too sure. Yeah. I, I need to look into that more. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the, I don't know how many there are. I think, like I said, I think Google announced they have one. Yeah. And I may be wrong, but I think there's somewhere else. Yeah. But I'm it's sure, but it's yeah. happening. Like, but yeah, you know, it's happening. There's, there's from now to you know yeah. a couple of years. It's, there's going to be more coming up here yep, and there. Absolutely. So that's interesting. Yeah. So where do you see? Obviously, that you, you spoke to that involvement of, of all these things over time. Where do you see cybersecurity in that in that picture in terms of the involvement over? I guess say the next you know five to ten years. I would like to think, which I think is happening now. It's going to start to be taken really seriously. Um, like we said earlier, it's you're going to save face by being proactive rather than reactive. Yeah. There's people like, like kind of what we were talking about earlier, the internet and these communities, social communities are just waiting to, to call people out for doing the wrong thing, which is, which I guess is a good thing. Absolutely. But there's a lot of, there's a lot of um, crying out for, for things that companies might've done wrong. So we like with zoom, for example, when, when there was poor encryption yeah. there, when that blew up. Um, but I think it's going to be taken really seriously. And they've definitely made a step in that direction with, with tougher penalties. In regards to not the action itself, they may, they may have, but I haven't really looked into that. It's mainly making sure companies uh, notify when they happen. So there's, I guess, some accountability. So in 2018, I think it was an adjustment or an extension, sorry, to the Privacy Act 1988. And there was a new legislation made um, under the name, the Notifiable Data Breach Scheme. Mm. So what this did was it made Report, it was now it's now mandatory to report to the individual that it impacted, um, and to report back to the commissioner, commissioner in Australia, the, their office that that this event happened. The previous penalty for not notifying was two point one million dollars. Mm-hmm. The new penalty is to the greatest of ten million dollars, three times the value of any benefit obtained through the misuse of information, or ten percent of, of the company's annual domestic turnover. Jesus. Now, you're going to probably think if you're a big company, the $10 million is probably not a lot of money. You're probably going to be looking at 10% of the company's annual domestic turnover, especially Correct. if it's accidental. You're not yeah. really getting benefits out of it. Yeah, I'm sure there will be circumstances where that does happen, but that, they're big numbers. And it, it just shows that under this this new scheme that it's starting to be taken seriously. Mm. Um, and I think it will only evolve. I think as more, more restrictions get put in place, people will start to see the, yeah, the importance yeah. of it. 
Um, as money speaks. Yeah, no, absolutely. It absolutely does. And I think I think cyber attacks we're going to see are becoming a lot more common, which is unfortunate. Yeah. It's, it obviously makes the news and they've been happening for a while, but because of the level of sophistication that and the ease that it is to now learn something, how cheap it can be to implement something um, or to get someone else to do it, mm. it's going to be really easy to, to have these things occur just so someone's technical sophistication can be demonstrated and put on for a show. Mm. Now, so not, not every time there needs to be a motive. Sometimes it could just be, hey, we can do it. Why don't, like, this sounds, this is impressive. Like, if I want to do this, maybe I want to do it just because I, I have the means to. Um, yeah, and sometimes you could be, you know, just, just posing threats to to these, these, these businesses, countries. Like, I know that, you know, there was times throughout the last 12 months that Facebook went down mm. and that, that never gave a reason why. Yeah. And it's, but you, yeah, exactly. And yeah. I think that's another thing. Social, obviously, maybe this is more to do with what's happened in the last ten years. But social media, media has obviously is is huge. Yeah. Like for reference, I'm not sure if you saw. It was announced, uh, I think, late last year, 2019. The top four most downloaded downloaded apps of the decade mm. are owned by Facebook. Jeez. Facebook app, Messenger, WhatsApp, Instagram. I'm not yeah. sure what order. I think WhatsApp and Instagram might be switched around. Yeah. If Facebook went ahead. Or if Snapchat went ahead with letting Facebook buy them, yeah. it would have been the top five most downloaded apps of the of the decade. So that's in a ten year period. Facebook have unbelievably um, great control over, over what's happening, and what that essentially means is there's going to it's essentially a data monopoly at this point. And what's yeah. happening is when you've got that many platforms on one person's phone, then there may be people that only have, say, three of those apps or one of those apps on their phone. Yeah. There's going to be people that have all, all four. Correct. And you're going to have unbelievably accurate and precise uh, modeling on behaviors and traits. Spot on. And that kind of power should be regulated. And to give you an idea of, of the power or the the, the the data you're handing over to these companies, yeah. not to to call you out, this is every, like almost everybody. Have you ever opened the data policy of in say Facebook's app. No. Can't so let me give you a quick example here. Yeah. I had a read. I haven't shown anyone this, but this is as of today. Yeah. The information that you can that Facebook can obtain from these devices include yeah. the device at- attributes. So your battery level, your signal strength, your storage <laughs> space, your browser type, the app, the file names, the plugins, the hardware, the software versions, the device operations, so any behaviors, the windows and, and what's in the background, any mouse movements. Any um, device signals, yeah. so nearby access points, cell towers, they know your GPS locations, obviously, and they also know your mobile operator, so your ISP, yep. your mobile number, your IP address, your connection speed, yep. and even information about other devices that are nearby or on your network. <laughs> yeah. Now, that's just one app. Yeah. If you've got four of those apps that we mentioned, they're, getting really they're, gonna, accurate. Get, they're gonna get really accurate. And yeah. this is where it gets really scary. How do you monitor this stuff? And this is now in the same position where there was the whole hoo-ha with the MyGov app. Now, people were saying, I don't want people knowing that much information about me. Mm. It's it's an invasion of privacy. I don't want people knowing what I'm doing, where I am. Mm. And you heard the stuff I just said, that Facebook alone. Yeah. So it, it's hard not to laugh when, when people say some of that stuff. And then the other thing is there's a section on Facebook that I've shown, I actually did show my friends, or a couple of them where there's a tab if you go into your settings called off Facebook uh, information. Yes. And if you click on that, you can see 
everything that you've shared from other websites that have then shared that information you did on that site with Facebook. So my friend sent a screenshot and he had, I think over over 170 different websites that shared the information he did on that site back to Facebook. To Facebook. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really scary. Um, yeah. I know a little bit about it and uh, I've done some research just because I'm just interested mm. in, in the topic, obviously, in speaking to you today is a reason why. And um, I read a book. It was actually listed by the Harvard Business Review called Prediction Machines. Mm. Have you heard of it? No. I think we're about halfway through it. But uh, a key takeaway that I took from it was Amazon. And so- Another powerhouse. Another powerhouse. Like it's Amazon, it's Google, and it's Facebook. Oh. Um, and- I think at the moment their game, like we 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 off mic, we 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 were speaking about short games and long games, mm. right? And to speak to a long game, it's really interesting. And you you see everything that's going on at the moment, and you know the business models that are currently set up in the ways that Facebook, Google, and uh, Amazon are making money. Mm-hmm. But I just don't think people truly understand the size of that in comparison to what they're aiming toward. Mm. Um. Amazon, you know, uh, has been set up. It's it's been a fantastic tool for for Amazon itself, but for you know traders out there, people that want to sell products, um, uh, having the ability to do so uh, on 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 a scale that's much easier for them. They can sell locally, they can sell internationally, um, and I think it's fair to say that the commissions of the, Amazon's commissions on those things have been fairly low for now, but. Like anything, you know, that's going to change. Things are going to go up. It's Amazon. It's Amazon. And um, Jeff, good old Jeff Bezos, <laughs> he knows his way around it. And um, But what it's doing <clears throat> is getting attention. Yeah. That's it. And where the attention is, the money flows. And they're getting all these people signing up, whether it's just for one transaction it may be through an Amazon's, it may, you know, it's just an Amazon third-party seller or, or, or something like that, if I'm, if I'm saying that right. Um, that's just all data. It's just all data. And yeah. a couple of things are going to happen from this. And it's um, first, the first thing being Amazon will get to a point where they have enough people using their service that they will, if they haven't already, start to create Amazon products. Mm. such as toothpaste yeah. such as toilet paper yeah. and as voice gets um you know more used uh globally you know you say hey i'm a, uh, alexa can i get toothpaste yeah sure and mm. it and it comes to your door it's amazon branded toothpaste so bang there you go that's a whole another income stream for them yeah. right crazy and businesses are going to start dropping off left, right, and center. And I think Nike has already t- seen and, and like envisioned that and they pulled their products off Amazon. So Am- Nike no longer sell on Amazon for that reason because they know what's happening. Because at the end of the day, if, if Amazon have s- such a big share, they can mark down prices yeah, and absolutely. push people out of the bloody yeah. thing. It's very easy to just undercut your competitors. So easy, yeah. so easy. And which is a smart move. It's a very smart move. And I, and I commend it. I commend Jeff for, for doing that, mate. Those those years in that that little room of his with the uh, Amazon yeah. Amazon uh, painted on the wall that was crazy. I love I, every time I look at that photo. I'm just like, yeah, it's like you said. It's he's he's been in it for the long haul. And yeah, he's he understands he's got a powerhouse. Yeah, and he's just, and he's, he's, he's not slowing down. Like no. he's making sure this is 
is a big set up for the, yeah. for the for the future yeah. for the future and there's that right there's that aspect of it and then right now we live in a um a shop then ship model mm. so if you think about it you go online you purchase something yep. and then it's shipped to your door yep an example I'll give you of the way things will change is through groceries. So right now, you go to the store, you know, you might go to Woolworths here in Melbourne and then you pick up, you know, some, some your grocery list and you're like, you've left, you're driving home, you're like, oh shit, I forgot something. So I'll go to the little milk bar down the road and just near my house to pick up that last thing. So what's going to happen is we're going to transition from a shop to ship model to a ship and then shop model so we spoke about data we spoke about accuracy of data there'll come a point in time where amazon will have enough data to say we know based upon your 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 patterns Mm. that you order milk bread and eggs at this time this day this time this day and we have enough data to be accurate enough to get it to you now they may get to a point where it's at like 90% and then that 10% that they've stuffed up with, there'll be a thing that you leave it and every day an Amazon driver comes past the, your neighborhood and picks up the stuff mm. you don't need and then, get, and then it doesn't get deducted from your monthly bill or whatever it is. And then that, But then again, that's just contributing to data. That's just more Correct. data and it's just contributing to the accuracy and yeah. that's why where's, how does this stuff get regulated? Like how, And like, look, like we said before, example, Facebook have the the means to um, to know what your your battery power is. Yeah. Does that bother me? Eh, I don't like that it's possible, but but it, it's it's so it's min- it's small, but it's terrifying that that's possible. Yeah, if they can get down to that level of correct, detail, what can they? What can they? Correct. What learnings can they take away from that? So, look, if 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 with that information, Zuckerberg posts on my wall saying, "Hey, bro, go get a charger." Yeah, great. Thanks yeah. if that's what it does, but. Yeah. Otherwise, I, I don't see there shouldn't be a need for this 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 information. It's just a lot of power to to, to companies, and especially when a company owns so much of the market that's being used, it, it gets scary. Well, at the end of the day, all this data they can they can definitely use it for themselves, but they're going to be selling this data to the government. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's that's what. Ha- so, one of the scare it's not necessarily selling to the government, but so we spoke about Zoom earlier. Right, yep. video conferencing has just exploded. Crazy. It's almost funny how Skype was like the thing for like twenty years, it and then that, and that's just no one considered that during this this time. Mm, mm. It's really it was really weird. Um, but Zoom exploded, right? And almost immediately, it didn't last long because, like I said, people are waiting to scrutinize. Almost immediately, and this is a really good example of why it's a good thing. Zoom were advertise falsely advertising end to end encryption, which is essentially end to end encryption is when Say we're communicating, yeah, completely separate areas. When we're talking, the data should be protected in communication uh, during communication between us, so no one can listen in on the conversation and eavesdrop and, and be able to take out the contents and understand it. But it also should be encrypted at Zoom's end, so they will receive the content coming in, but it's going to be scrambled. It, it's going to be they're not going to be able to understand what that content is. Yeah, the only thing that was encrypted like that in that end-to-end fashion was what you send in the chat box. But the video and audio contents was they could understand, but they were saying they were advertising to people that it was. Now, what was really, what was almost worse was they were advertising that it was end to end, but they had 
given their own definition for what end-to-end was, despite what it's what people know it is. So they were saying, yeah, it's end-to-end between the people that are t- that you're talking to, but we need this data for the better experience of the user to be unencrypted. Now that's really bad because if Zoom, if we can talk, and on the other end they can listen and see what our what our, what we're talking about. That's yeah. that's never good for anybody. No. Now, while it's bad, there's someone at I think it was John Hopkins University came out and said it's not impossible to achieve this, but it should be end-to-end encrypted. But the reason it's not is because it, when Zoom received this unencrypted data on their end. I'm not sure if you use Zoom. Sorry. Yeah, all the time. So you know when, if you're with a group of people, yep. the person that talks, yep. it highlights. Yes. The reason that it's unencrypted is because it makes it a hell, of a, lot of e- a hell of a lot easier for Zoom to see who's talking so they can identify feet and make features such as who's talking. Yeah. They can make features so that the person talking on Zoom has a higher resolution and it lowers the power consumption of the other users so they have a lower resolution. Mm. And if it's encrypted, it makes it a lot harder to identify those users. Yes. Now... It's hard, but apparently it is possible because this guy, this professor um, said that, I think it's a feature on Apple FaceTime that where they've achieved it. Yeah, It's not impossible, but it is, it's not impossible, but it should be possible to do. Yes. The other problem was also the fact that non-Chinese users, so say, I think the test was in the States where someone in the States and Canada were, were talking, they were doing a study. They found that the traffic between their conversation was being routed through a Beijing server, and then back to Zoom. Now, that's also terrifying. That's very terrifying. And on top of that, the keys that are used for decrypting data were being generated in China as well. The, the encryption server was in, uh, decryption key server was in China as yeah. well, which is also absolutely terrifying because China's, um, like we kind of said earlier, their, their policies in regards to data privacy are going to be really different. So if they demanded Zoom to give them the access to d to or want or justify the access of that information they're allowed to because it's going through their servers correct now the 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 terms was they they weren't zoom weren't expecting such a rise in their service and they had to deploy extra capacity really quick but at the end of the day they were they were they were kind of caught out and it's really bad um that they were doing it and they lied and then they they tried saying that they were going to enable this feature but only for paid users and then again, the backlash was incredible, and now it's just a mandatory thing for everyone, which is what it should be. Yeah. But, but yeah, these these big companies just you're going to try and get away with stuff, but the way the way, the way things are now, it's going to be really hard to do that. Which is good. Which is yeah, good. I absolutely it's, agree. It's, for the consumer, it's good. That, yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. That, that people, yeah. Um, but but yeah. Um, Bloody hell. Yeah. So so with China. <laughs> segues into uh what i want to speak about um the cyber attack that um yeah. that scott morrison recently announced it was happening and it has been happening in australia mm. uh, what are your thoughts on it so why do you think it's happening i think i kind of know similar to what everyone else is kind of posting about and what i've read up on it's very my opinion is or why it's happening i do i I I am under the impression that it was that it was China related. Yeah. Yep. The the reason I would think of is it's very public information the crippling relationship between these two countries in Australia and China. It's it's terrifying. Correct. It's terrifying how much we're dependent on them, but it's terrifying that to know what they're capable capable of yep. and how much of their money is in this country. I have no doubt because of the relationship mm. that's currently going on that 
that that's where it was originated. And again, there's no, it's going to be really hard to prove this because of what we were talking about earlier, this, this interjurisdictional nature of the internet and how easy it is to cover things up and, and all that stuff. But it was, the way it was described was, was state sponsored, which means we kind of in the community kind of categorize different users. Yep. State sponsored is essentially it's it's nation based. Um, there's a reason behind it. it's government attacking um, or based attacks based on governments asking for or infiltrating other governments or How causing do they chaos. That, though? Because of the essentially because of the scale. So yeah. the scale of this attack was was massive. It went for critical infrastructure. It went for businesses. Hmm. It went for for anything it could kind of get its hands on. Hmm. You can normally tell when. It's, it's a smaller scale yeah. or it's not too sophisticated because of the nature of the attack and what it's done. So, for example, I can't, you, you may have heard of back, like, how many years ago, like, the, the anonymous group. Yeah. So, we they, they're, they're known as hacktivists. They're, they're people that have this political agenda mm. that they kind of just want to run around like like they they should dictate what's right and wrong. Um, they've actually popped up in the news a little bit recently. I think they're trying to become relevant again, which is weird because their their main spearhead from their campaign did his time in jail already and he's now like a like a corporate guy like working ethically for for companies yeah um so i don't even think it's the anonymous that we think it is from back then it'd be like watching say say you support say carlton football club yeah. and all your players are gone they've got a bunch of new players it's still carlton but it's it's, it's no one that was there totally different yeah but they've popped up again and he's trying to be relevant but with china it was it was unbelievably large and it had the way the attack was carried, they, it was they had a large amount of resources mm. to to do it. That's how you normally can tell. Now the government was saying it was highly sophisticated. Mm. Whether also, but sorry, I might add there was no actual. It, while it was large scale, there was no actual damage or, or breaches that were known of, or any that we know of. We weren't being held hostage yet. Yeah, there was nothing where they. I don't think they gained anything too sensitive, but. Yeah. In regards to to the government saying it was sophisticated, and this is kind of piggybacking off, I think, what was his name? Richard Buckland is a professor at University of New South Wales in their cybersecurity department. was essentially saying they were going, the way, the techniques they were using was targeting services at businesses or organizations. Um, just all the same services and the same things that hoping that these companies hadn't patched them. So, you know, as with patches, it's you update your system. Yep. It's because there's either a vulnerability found not just for the sake of new features, it's vulnerabilities, there's a risk. Do this now to protect yourself. Mm. If that's not, if configurations aren't done properly, you leave yourself in at real risk of of, of an attack. Mm. Because what attackers can do is they can find, if they can find out the hardware you're using, they can find out the version, they can find out the operating system and, and blah, blah, blah. It makes it really specific to find the weaknesses of it, of, of what they're using. Yeah. So if they have an up, if they have an upgrade or, or patch themselves, they're, they're going to be at risk. And what these attacks looked like they did was they targeted services in hopes they were unpatched, mm-hmm. so there was no updates done. And where that failed, all they well not all they did, but essentially their their backup was to do a spear phishing campaign. So I'm not sure how much you know about phishing, mm. but essentially a method where you send out send out typically an email, mm-hmm. hope someone clicks a link, mm-hmm. and and that's just going to cause chaos because I've clicked on the wrong thing. Malware spreads yeah. normally lays dormant. It'll it'll reveal itself at, at a time that the attacker wants. Spear phishing normally targets specific domains and specific people, mm. whereas say a traditional phishing campaign is 
I want random. I want emails galore. I want hundreds yeah. and thousands. Just send it to anyone and everyone because all I might have sent out tens of thousands of these, but mm-hmm. all I need is one person to okay. click it and I'm good. I'm it doesn't matter who it is. Spear yeah. phishing, normally you've got a particular group that target, you want to target. target. Same mm-hmm. as another method called whaling. You normally go after, say, a big fish. It's You yeah. want to go for a CEO. Yeah. You want to go for a, a, someone big to cause damage there. But yeah. then they just essentially did that. They did a spear phishing campaign to get login information and use that information to get inside the organization. Like this professor said, there's there's nothing, while it's large scale, mm. there's nothing unknown about these methods of attacks. They're very common things to do. Targeting unpatched and insecure systems is is a common method and probably what a lot of people do that when when they when they do ethical ethical hacking, you you got to know your source and if you know the vulnerabilities there you you're in, and that's not new. That's not whoa. This is groundbreaking stuff. It's, no. Same as phishing. It's it's one of the most popular ways to get into to places these days. You, you hope that the training's been inadequate. You're gonna have someone that clicks on a link, mm. and and the damage is done. And yeah, and that, that's that's what I mean. There, while it was really large scale, there was nothing groundbreaking or nothing that that I've read. I've, I've probably got a little bit more I, I should read, but mm-hmm. that's that's what I've seen so far. Do you think that this attack was done to show off? I, I think it was in I think it was retaliation for the way China feel that we've we've treated them because yeah. we've been probing into this whole whole coronavirus thing. I think it's a retaliation to oh you is this what you think? Hey, we'll so we'll show just you. Let you know that we yeah, can do we this. Can, we are capable of doing this, and yeah. we will do it if we have to. And we know you're not going to have have the or well, not have the means, but we we, we got a feeling you're not going to call us out because you know what happens if you call us out. Yeah. That's it's the, the how war. quickly a cyber war can happen is is incredible and. Do you, think, do you think we've got to the point now in civilization, the fact that we obviously have nuclear warheads and all of that, that these yeah, are Yeah, that's our done. Wars. Yeah, it's, it's going to be, this will be what it is now. It's, yep. it's, it'll be who can target critical infrastructure the uh, best. So and that puts, that, puts, that puts countries to their knees. Oh, absolutely. So it's like targeting transportation, energy, yep. uh, Health. airports, healthcare. Yep. And I think I was talking to you earlier with, mm. with healthcare. Healthcare industry or the healthcare sector is like scarily vulnerable like it's because we as people we rely on healthcare safety well-being but the problem with that is not the problem but that's that's why threat actors target healthcare because Mm. they know we need it Mm. so particularly with ransomware which is do you know are you familiar with ransomware so it's a type of virus where You send a virus, it essentially locks up all your files. Yes. You cannot access those files unless you pay a ransom. Jeez. So everything is everything is locked up. You yeah. can't access it. I actually had someone ask me, they had, I won't name names, but they came to me, they said that, that the company was hit. They were like, can you do anything? I'm like, oh, well, it's, it's the, the encryption means that are being used with ransomware now so strong that general computers like the what we use take, especially if it's say, let's say AES, for example. AES is a really strong encryption method and what should be used in communications today. It will take for common computers like these thousands of years to break those. So you better hope you have backup or that your security controls are, are proper enough to prevent, not prevent, but really mitigate this from happening. Hmm. Now, healthcare is also vulnerable because there's older technology used. It's a lot harder because the technology is so dependent on being used. It's really hard to do wide scale upgrades and, and whatnot. And they're so busy all the time. And they may have had poorer security controls, but the main reason is they're high value target. To put in perspective, the IBM, they're a large, they're a large technical body. Mm. They released a data 
for each report last year. For the ninth year in a row, healthcare organizations had the highest costs associated with data breaches with a global average of $6.5 million, mm. which is over 60%, which is 60% more than the global average of all other industries combined. Mm. Mm. For 2000, uh, in 2018, sorry for context, 2018, we spoke about that, um, that legislation, that notifiable data breach thing. Yeah. So you know when things happen. Mm. Since the introduction of that scheme, it's going to be a lot higher now, this number, because I think this was of mid-2019, but there were over 200 breaches that were reported. Mm. We saw literally late last year, did you see in the news, the Victorian hospitals that were targeted? Yep. The annoying thing about situations like that is they were warned four months in advance that an attack was coming and they because they were vulnerable. Audits were done, so a lot of companies have audits done. Yes. Yes. And a big part of auditing is just going through, checking your controls, checking your risk management, possibly penetration tests. So it's essentially what what, you, what people know as ethical hacking. You go through systems and see where the vulnerability, technical risks are, how vulnerable you are. Um, and but they were warned. They were four months in advance. Four warned, yeah. They needed to do this, and they didn't act. There was sensitive data that was released. There was disruption calls. Systems had to go offline. Um, I can't remember if they said they paid the ransom, which. Jesus. I really don't think you should. No. Um, but that's a whole other topic. But the ex- not an excuse, but another thing that was used was they were saying, oh, but it's really unfortunate timing. We were one week away from implementing this this AI-based software. It was this big upgrade that was going to scour the network and it could automatically detect malware through characteristic yeah. detection. So most a lot of software for malware detection use signature-based where, say, you've got a virus it'll have a known signature to it. It's stored in a database. So when that signature presents itself on your network, it automatically blocks it. Yeah. This was going to use AI and char- characteristic and behavior-based um, software. Yeah. Well, that's good and all. Yeah, you were a week away and yeah, unlucky timing. You were warned early yeah. and it was a clear example of not being proactive and being reactive. going to be reactive now, yeah. which, is, which is just really unfortunate. Again, it, I'm not saying it justifies what happened. Mm. It should never happen. Mm. But... Healthcare is really vulnerable to this stuff because of how important it is to us and particularly and how crippling, uh, not crippling, sorry, how, well, yeah, how crippling ransomware can be. You've got to make sure you're you're on top of it. And if, if you need to make changes to your infrastructure, make changes. Do it. Yeah. Yeah, I saw an article today actually that said that, that from a healthcare's point of view that they wanted this database actor to be named. Yeah. Yeah, scary, huh? Yeah. Which so- I almost don't disagree. It's like, yeah, like it's time to name and shame. Yeah. Um, but then, like in this, in the instance of just this year alone, yeah. uh, Toll was hit twice. Correct. Which I don't Japanese know. Japanese owned Toll. Yeah, uh, Chinese or Japanese? Japanese. Japanese. I'm pretty yeah. sure it's Japanese Post. Yeah, I think it's Japanese Post. I mean, they were hit twice, so it happened almost like a month but, a bit apart. Yeah. And I don't know enough about the attack, but if you're being hit once, you'd really want to ramp up what you were doing to yeah. make sure you could really mitigate what happened the second time. Yeah. The thing is, right. These are rumors on the rumor mill, and uh, these are no from no confirmed <laughs> sources. But um, apparently, apparently, toll, uh, apparently, Japanese post were looking to move on toll, and I can only imagine. Was this post the data breaches, or was this all? Yeah, it it well, it hasn't happened yet. I don't yeah. I don't believe I don't believe it's happened yet. I believe it's in process, right? So it's like any good business deal. I mean, yeah. it's valued at X. Yep. You have a couple data breaches. It's valued at Y. Yep. So I wonder who's going to be purchasing uh, tolls. Yes, it'd be a, a, a state-based actor. <laughs> it's it's really it's really worrying. But then Honda were hit. Yeah. Um, the Nintendo company were hit. They had three hundred thousand accounts 
Yeah. A, a hit. Yeah. Um, who else was hit this year? And is Nintendo Chinese, Japanese, American? What, what's I think they're also Japanese. Isn't that interesting? Um, no Chinese companies. Really. Yeah. The, the Minneapolis Police Department, yeah. which was anonymous, as we announced earlier. Correct. That was that group. Yeah. Um, a lot of the news last week, did you see how there was a large, there was rumors, or not rumors, there was in the news that the United States was under a large denial of service attack? No. By any chance. You didn't see that. So across the news, it was massively trending. Everyone, I remember waking up and one of my friends posted in the chat, oh, boys, have a look, like the United States, they're like companies galore just are being impacted right now. It was essentially this really what large-scale denial of service attack, which was just rendering companies, um, their availability, um, just no. They, mm. there was, they couldn't access any of these, these services from yeah. these companies. Now, the problem with that was, Again, this is also about Anonymous trying to pop up again. Yeah. They were the ones to kind of announce it. Mm. They they did this post. I was like, oh, have a look. The, the United States are under the largest known denial of service attack. Um, currently, that's happened. And a bunch of like they had like this map with a bunch of traffic going across it. And immediately, that just started trending. Um, social media was buzzing with it. Journalists started writing posts about it. All this stuff was happening. Now, the problem with that attack, well, attack, I'm going to use quotation marks, was there's no definitive proof that anything actually happened because mm. none of the companies claim they were impacted mm. there was no reported downtime there were no spikes in traffic there was no everything was regular there was one company in that list that had trouble but it was from a completely unrelated incident yeah and the problem with that is it just it just spread and there was this almost like this fear again that something was happening and it's just kind of piggybacking on on the whole thing or everything that's happening in the united states at the moment plus yeah. corona um it's, it's about enticing that fear but yeah and, know, it, and, and and i think a breach like that that didn't really show uh, any detrimental effect can be one of two things it can be just an, an instrument to elicit fear or it could be the fact that they're in there and they've they've, they've got something or seen something that they needed to see but mm. didn't really have to leave any damage behind so it's just too hard to tell but I think that the Chinese are really ahead of it and they understand it really well. Yeah, they, they absolutely do. They, they've got the resources. They've got the people. Correct. It's, whether you like it or not, they're a dictatorship. Yes. So if the, the people carrying out the attack might not even have a choice under these no. circumstances, no. you're doing what you're told for your country. Yep. You don't. You, who knows what kind of things may happen. Yeah. yeah. Um. It's really scary, and governments having too much power is isn't um, isn't kind of old news. It's are you familiar with Edward Snowden? Yes, massive like big name. Yeah. So he was CIA, CIA employee. Mm-hmm. Found out that he was had a really good technical brain. Um, ended up aiming to able to work out the, the network infrastructure of the NSA while he was at the CIA. Uh, understood that the NSA had plans to spy on, on Americans. And this was all said in his um, 2014 TED Talk. There's a platform called TED Talk. A lot of people yeah. go on and speak. And he was on there. He's actually He actually came on through a, through a monitor because he's hiding in Russia because he knows he will be, he will be killed yeah. because of revealing these plans. And he's got the name Whistleblower just because he announced th- these, these damaging things that the government was going to do yeah. and called them out. And what they were going to do was the NSA had plans to install backdoors in corporate America in their largest tech companies. And how they were going to do that was they were enticing them with security enhancements and better better services. Yeah. But what they were doing was 
um, actually weakening their systems so they could infiltrate and have backdoors installed, and it was for surveillance means. This was in conjunction with wanting to break online communication encryption. So say when you browse the internet and you do um, online banking, yeah. when you uh, enter your PIN or you transfer, you don't want anyone to see what's going on. No. So online communication encryption, make sure that no one can see that. Yeah. That's all scrambled information. I mean, if your password is one, two, three, it's, it's going to be encrypted, Something it's going to be stored. You shouldn't use that password yep. just yep. because of that, but it's, it's not going to be seen. Yeah, yeah. But the NSA wanted to install backdoors into these companies. Some of them agreed to do it. Mm. I'm not going to say the companies. There yeah. are a lot of the, some of the companies that we actually had come up today, mm. and some of them said no. But the problem is, if you said, if you show problems to the NSA that you don't want to cooperate, it can be really damaging. Yeah. Now, how it's like, how can that get passed through government? And it's it should be hard. And well, because well, what he said was he actually he specifically said what specifically after nine eleven the word terrorism in America is like it it hangs on the back of people's necks. It's they're they're really fearful. Yeah, they're fearful, but some use it to their advantage. Correct, and that's what happened here. They were using the way he worded it was they were using terrorism to provoke an emotional response. Correct. When that with the, with the fear in that term, it allows people to rationalize what they're doing, the actions. Yeah, and yep. rationalize the authorization of particular powers, particular programs that yep. wouldn't otherwise normally be rationalized or and allowed. Or be ethical. So when you're using that as a cover for action, and that's similar to what's happening now, early in March, the, they're back at it again, the states, they wanted to, they're trying to say that this this privacy, this encryption over online shouldn't be an immunity hmm. if they, they want the means to break it for yep. investigative purposes. Child pornography, terrorism, they should have the means to do so. So it's back again, it's not news, but he essentially leaked this. Hmm. As a result, he's now living in the states because some people actually disagreed with what he did i don't know how i don't understand how they, no. they were they were but they caught on he announced it and he leaked all these documents and who knows what what will happen to him and how long he'll it's been since 2014 i think or 13 and like I said, it all sounds like a movie and they ended up making a movie about him he's got a book and what's the movie i think it's called snowden it's just called snowden check it out yeah i highly recommend it um Look, i think at the end of the day this this, this uh this form of surveillance, surveillance itself in civilization is not new, no. but the method of surveillance changes. And obviously, as we change and as, as uh, you know, technology increases, the surveillance has to be, you know, mm. the, 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 the surveillance will change with it. Um, you know, have you, ever, uh, have you ever read or heard the book 1984? No. By George, I think it's George Orwell. And it's just, it's on the premise that Big Brother is watching. <laughs> and uh, I believe it. It's yeah. totally true. Well, um, like we said, if, if you've got Facebook watching, there's no, yeah. I, I promise you that your yeah. government is somehow knowing and the government's ideology is to protect you. We should be out, you should make, either shouldn't make this strong enough or we should know what's going on to, to protect you. Well, in, in, in essence, you know, we've got a cap the capitalist model mm. and it pretty much puts us in a structured way of living. And, you know, it may not be the right thing, but no one's come up with a better solution yet. No, correct. And, you know, at the end of the day, order can be controlled yeah um you can predict things and with prediction then you know it it's just a model and it it works right now but you know time 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 may bring us new new ways of working hopefully it new does. levels of acceptance it it's maybe oh well we've been hearing about it for this long it's let's just accept it now this is the way it is and well and and the thing is there's enough big 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 players and big people on the on, on the triggers that 
they're they're making a lot of money of it off it or they assert enough influence over it that they don't want to see it change anymore anyway they've got their shoes you know they've got their feet dug in enough to to say well i'm not gonna change i don't want to change this yeah and i think that 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 comes back around to speak to that transition of generations as well where right now you've got these baby boomers um that are that are holding you know executive positions senior mm. positions in in organizations in governments mm. around the world that they're only ever going to be maybe thinking about their best interests or a large majority of them anyway mm. and it's only when they kind of move out that you know the young young you might see some change you might see some change hopefully you do mm. hopefully you do but then you know the same cycle might repeat again and Again, like you say, it, it, it could very well be just a if it's if it's working now, why why, why does why it need to change? It? And yeah. what's to say? Because like you said just then, whoever's whoever's in a position of power at the moment, they're doing what works best for them. Correct. It's very easy for someone that's not in a position of power to advertise to comment. Yeah, to advertise and comment for how it should be. Yeah. But then there's no doubt if you put say that same particular person in a position of power. Yeah. And they're going to see the temptations and it's like, oh well, now I know why I I did all this work. Look yeah. how much effort I. I put in to get here. Yeah. Why shouldn't I now reap the rewards that the last person took? That's what I mean. It's so it's, there, there very well could be this this vicious cycle, and mm. yeah, it's, it it'll take someone with strong willpower to change that and break that. But like I said, there's there's power in so many agencies. There's there's people like say Ed Snowden that's now living in hiding because of it. There's people on on the opposite. Say for example, there was a guy in the nineties, Kevin Mitnick, who who was a wanted FBI guy for for his for his hacking crimes, and he's now. Uh, a massive and probably the most well-known cybersecurity consultant who <laughs> who came out, who did his time in jail, came mm-hmm. out and he's now making however many millions mm-hmm. because everyone wants his services because now he's gone professional. Yeah. Isn't it funny how from, from a guy doing the wrong thing, how he's now reaping the rewards to someone doing the right thing who's now paying the price? It's just so happened that the guy that did the right thing probably did it to a body where you don't want to be taking chances. Yeah. He probably knew the consequences as well, which I actually think he commented on. He said he knew what he was doing and he's happy with how things have turned out. It's no doing it. Yeah, yeah. Yep. But it's funny how like he's now, if if he would, was to step foot in the States, yeah, he, 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 yeah, correct. And yeah. you got guys like Kevin Mitnick, for example, who who have really come around. Like you watch their videos on, on say LinkedIn or YouTube and they, they do really good demonstrations of videos. There was one that he did recently, Kevin Mitnick, where it's, it's as simple as, for example, this data cable here. Yeah. It's as simple as that can now have data. Uh, it's not just used for power. It can be used to pass through actual data. And that alone, if wrapped up and, and someone wasn't aware, they just want to charge their phone, that's enough to now install a virus on oh. someone's phone. And he did this demonstration. It was really cool. It's just as simple as having a remote receiver on the attacker's end. They leave this 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 uh, cable that looks exactly the same to, to a naked eye. It's been manipulated in a way that you can have data pass through and remote control then executed from the minute it's plugged in. Mm. And it's as simple as that. You're now, your device is now in control of the guy on the other end through, mm. a, through a data cable. Mm. Mm. So this guy knows what he's doing. He's doing really good stuff and he's, he's a big figure in cybersecurity. I actually saw his demonstration at the cybersecurity conference last year. And he's a really nice guy. He writes plenty of books. and But um, it's just funny how, how things can turn out based on, on the actions you've done, regardless of if they're wrong or right. Yeah. Well, at the end of the day, you've you you think like those people, yeah, and you you know that's you, you problem solve a way to get around their 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 systems and you know, get what you want. Yeah. I think there's there's that movie Leonardo DiCaprio's in called Catch Me If You Can. 
I have heard of that. Yeah, that's a true story. That's a true story. Um, f- and I think it was Frank Abagnale, or, I th- or maybe that was his fake name. Anyway, th- that you know, no, that's his real name, Frank Abagnale. Hmm. Um, yeah, he now lectures on this, and um, he consults for the, for the yeah. government. So it's it's this whole thing where it's like, well, you've done it. We're now going to use you. So so the moral the moral moral to the story. You're gonna do something bad. The work well enough, the government sure, employs yeah. you. Well, that's a, that was a whole thing. One of the because because with cybersecurity, there's so many elements that are yeah. involved. Like it's not just this one thing. So you've got maybe your offensive security, which people know as ethical hacking. There's defensive, so incident response. There's say forensics, which is involves uh, digital investigations and cyber crimes. Being in the court of law, being a professional, uh, a professional advisor and saying what happened and. Um, and that stuff is network security, but there was also, um, it was called inside the mind and it was this psychological perspective on, on the, on the traits and the way people act, um, that are on that side of crime. Mm-hmm. And there was an argument where it was, should people hire criminals? And one of them said, it, it was funny. One of them said it, it depended on the, the significance of what they've done. Yeah. It depended on what they did, how they did it. Um, the problem with these people is at the same time is a lot of the, these people were found, one of the papers I remember reading, um, they're very socially awkward. So whether they, depending on how they, they operate in, in team-based environments can also be a factor. A lot of them have characteristics of Asperger's. Um, a lot of them had all these really specific things that differentiated themselves from the general public. Mm. Um, I know it was said they had this this really different creative um section in their mind because that's essentially the same with ethical hacking you got you, you there's no definitive way and there's no book on how that stuff is that on um, how that stuff occurs there's so many different pathways and, and avenues and circumstances that'll change what needs to be done mm. on how that stuff can be executed so yeah they may be good and they may have that creative mindset and they may, may be able to do the task really well and efficiently but if they've got these socially awkward characteristics, if they present characteristics of Asperger's and they, they don't know how to communicate in a team and they've got this, um, another one was they had this really high, they have a really high uh, risk propensity, which is this really high value for risk, uh, high risk activities compared to the general public. So they don't necessarily care on the on the severity of the loss. Yep. It's, I want to do this because this, this, this is exciting. Yeah. I want to do that. And that's that can often be dangerous if you're in a large enterprise. Um. So yeah, the mindset and, and hiring people that have been on the wrong side of the law is is, is not a new new thing. It's no. really interesting and yeah. Yeah. I, I could only imagine that it would probably increase over time as as you know, technology increases and, and like I said, the there's a there's a skills gap. Oh, so, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, there's more people out there doing the crime than uh, there's more people to hire with, with the knowledge and skills. Exactly. And that that's almost like another problem with not a problem, but what I've found is Say studying, I realize it's such a this because there's so many different substreams. It's almost like cybersecurity is this umbrella term because it encompasses it encompasses so much. You can really graduate if you don't put in the effort. You can really graduate as a generalist in so many different fields, and you just have this kind of basic high level thing. Yeah. You can engage in conversation. You can understand things on this high level. You can scrape the surface on everything, but you can't really get down into the specifications. Yeah, it's this thing where you've you've got to find something that you're Passionate you're that. passionate in that stream that you're really good at and you've yeah. got to get good at it. Yeah. Good at it and you've got to have the experience to do it and you've got to demonstrate that you can do it. Yeah. And that's how you're going to become job ready by making sure you're not just a generalist. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an interesting topic that you say because um, you're pretty much in any other field besides that 
where, yeah, where there's just so many different avenues and you got to... No, no, but like what I'm saying is it, with it, in other, any other field besides cybersecurity, especially now with the way the world's going and obviously robotics and all of that, mm. it's actually better to be a generalist than a specialist uh, because you don't know what the future is going to hold. You really don't. But with cybersecurity, different because, you know, that's going to be a part of it. It's going to be a problem and you're going to want to make sure you have the people that know what they're doing when yeah. things hit the fan. Yeah. Um, and they will. And have their expertise. And they will. And they will. Yeah, absolutely. And they will. Yeah, it'd be interesting. It'll be interesting to see how this this cyber attack in Australia that's going on right now kind of unfolds. And well, I think the Labor government were actually trying to egg on on Morrison, Morrison to, to to name and shame. They actually yeah. came out and said, "Look, you need like it's about time. Like, let's get get names out. Let's say who's responsible. We can't keep being well, this." It's, it's going to go to like like I just don't get how China's can you know going all politically here. I just don't get how China can kind of get away with all, all of this. <laughs> They're I think they can because of, like I said earlier, their their money is everywhere in so many countries. They own and have control of so much and have so much say. Well, yeah, they're, they're, it's scary. And and the size, like the scale of them, and, and the people they have, and the dictatorship. So it's fearing the people to do those yeah, things. Yeah, the infrastructure that they've got, and it's, not just in China, yeah. but over the world. It's scary. Um, the money that they have, they're 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 they've got the second largest economy in the world, but they're going to soon become number one. Like, yep. there's actually a really good. Uh, Netflix series called History 101 and it speaks to, to China's rise and um, yeah they're gonna I think it's by 2023 or 2025 they're gonna pass uh, like it's not US. one of those things where it's like ah oh, that'll be our, our kids problem no, it's, it's our problem. this this is happening quite quickly yeah well that's it China China's rapid rise has happened really quickly and um, technologies I guess improvements are happening uh, equally it's it's equally. almost it's the rise is in parallel. It's yeah. the, the sophistication is just rapidly increasing, and there's almost something stronger, more powerful. By the time something hits the market, <laughs> there's already work on the next big thing. And that's the thing. So, a technology that's rising at that rate that's going to bring with it great, you know, improvements and pr- productivity increases. But it's always going to be bring with it, you know, threats, risks, and the fact that in line with that. China's economy is going to become number one, so they're going to have the ability to purchase the majority of it, and yeah, you know have have a large quantity of it, and that's what I mean. Well, like we say, when when Zoom, for example, are deploying servers for their communication in China, yeah. especially de- like key encryption and decryption servers, yeah, there's nothing stopping them from saying because of their rules and because of their scale, and to say, well, you've got your resources here, you want to set up here. If we want access to that and we want to read into what people are doing and talking about, we, we can. We can. Yeah. And it's like, well, if you want to limit this, people got to got to put their money where their mouth is, stop it. Otherwise, you you just like everyone else in you you're taking their money mm-hmm. and you mm-hmm. you you're contributing to it. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. The thing is, technology is moving at such a rapid pace that the the, the laggards, I'd call them industries, they just can't keep up with it. You're talking about law and the 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 um, I guess regulations that are with it. That's not that, that doesn't happen overnight. No, it it's, it's really difficult. Like I know, for example, uh, we do there's a specialization in cyber law. So the cyber, I do the computer science stream. Yep. There's a business stream and a, and a law stream. Yep. And I'm pretty sure I remember talking to to one of the lawyers last semester. In Australia, there's like two of them, and they charge astronomical rates. And yeah. but it's so hard to do just because how can you control something yeah. that it's not like if you do a crime here if yeah. there was a crime that happened in this room it's like all right we're we're in this area yeah. you know who was here there's evidence 
pretty straightforward. It's very straightforward. It's um, the, the the nature of, of, of online and, and tech is just a little bit scary. Yeah. How easy it is to become, I guess, anonymous and, and um, hide, your, hide yourself. And, and that's why you see so much criminal behavior. And that's why you're going to be able to see these things happen, like like state-sponsored attacks, nation-state attacks. It's, yeah. It's part and parcel. Yeah. Good one. Daniel, it was a pleasure speaking to you. Thanks so much for having me. No worries. I want to say thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Passion Agenda. This conversation was uh, an interesting one. Given the the climate we live in uh, at the moment and the the current tensions with uh, foreign powers, it was interesting to get an understanding of cybersecurity, the potentials uh, for infiltration from other countries, but also the things that we can do to be aware, the things we can do to be secure. And I think this podcast was important in just spreading that awareness uh, because, you know, we all get those emails that get sent to our inboxes saying you've become, you know, next in line for, you know, for the prince's... Um, What's some, what do you even call it for the prince's fortunes and, you know, just click here or provide us with your bank details so we can transfer you the funds. It's an email that I'm sure a lot of us have seen. Uh, so it's, it's just important about spreading the message and being aware that there are criminals out there, whether they be terrorists or once again, state-based actors, it's important to be vigilant. Uh, as businesses, as individuals, we all have a duty to spread the word and keep everybody informed and ahead of this. I think that's very important. Be sure to share this podcast to those very people, those friends, those family members that don't maybe don't don't maybe don't know too much about cybersecurity, or maybe they do and be in, and would be interested, very interested in this in this podcast. Nonetheless, I think it's important to to reach both. I want to say thank you once again for Daniel uh, taking time out of his busy schedule um, to, to come sit down with me and have this discussion. It was, a, it was an intriguing one and I'm glad I had it. You can find us at The Passion Agenda on Facebook and Instagram. Feel free to send me an email. Uh, get in touch. Reach out. Let's chat. I want to hear what you're doing. My email is anthony at thepassionagenda.com.au. And until next time, goodbye.